And the 15 years old wonder boy from Dallas, Lance Armstrong, was challenging world champion Mark Allen on the near side. So Lance Armstrong has won all of the time trials and he's now set to win. The Back in the France. 90s, Lance Armstrong wasn't just a champion cyclist. He was one of the world's best at one day road races. His contract in 1996 was worth $2 million over just two years. And he was preparing for the Tour de France. Later, he became the only rider to win it seven times. He was considered a prodigy from a young age, and Armstrong's wins made headlines and made him a millionaire. Longer races were tricky for him initially, but the cyclist raced for Motorola. He was no small name in the cycling world, even if he remained relatively obscure in his own home state, Texas, considering that Texans love football far more than they do cycling, at least according to Texas Monthly anyway. But that changed in 1996 when Armstrong was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Armstrong was determined to not be beaten. He viewed his diagnosis like any cycling competition, only with much higher stakes. You lose, you die. That's just simply what worked for him, taking that perspective and putting it into anything that he did, having a fiercer determination than ever before. Armstrong wasn't just a prodigy athlete known in the world of cycling anymore. He was a hero. After surgery, Armstrong said at a press conference, I want you all to know that I intend to beat this disease. And further, I intend to ride again as a professional cyclist. And it seemed like the world was cheering him on. And I won't pretend that everyone loved him, but at the time, how could you not? Despite only a roughly 50% survival rate as the disease spread to his brain, Lance kept a positive attitude. Nike called him one of the most courageous athletes ever, and the Austin American statesman referred to him as one of life's true heroes. Lance was a beacon of hope, and when he beat cancer a year later, it only cemented his role as a real-life hero to the public. But he didn't stop there either. In fact, Lance was only just beginning. He wasn't solely a professional cyclist anymore, but Lance decided to create a new foundation to fight cancer, the Lance Armstrong Foundation, or what is now known as Live Strong. This is exactly what we want to see from a celebrity, professional athlete, or anyone with money and fame, honestly, someone using their platform for good. And Lance Armstrong was the absolute perfect person to do this. Seen as a cancer-fighting hero at the time, Armstrong was in the best position possible to tell the world that we needed to fund more cancer research and stay strong. Like, it really can't be understated how giant this comeback was. The mayor of Austin, Kirk Watson, was also a survivor of testicular cancer and had a day, August 9th, named for Lance Armstrong. Texas Monthly writes that when Laugh kicked off their first race, it was an unbelievable success. School kids sold lemonade and gave money to the cause. Cancer survivors got their old bikes out of the garage and rode with their hero. They spoke of Lance with awe. He made it part of his routine to call or write people with cancer. Armstrong became more of an icon than ever. Now he was getting $6 million worth of endorsement deals and appearing on boxes of Wheaties, the breakfast cereal. Like he was even sponsored by the Postal Service as they spent over $30 million on Lance and his team from 2001 to 2004. All those classic things that tell you you've made it, your picture on a cereal box, having a day named after you. Yeah, Lance was doing all of that. 
He was a symbol and promoter for the city of Austin itself, a symbol of living strong. And when those yellow Live Strong bracelets came out, they were a massive success. They represented Armstrong's impact, the idea of fighting to help those with cancer, and they were worn by athletes all across the globe. Lance's reputation and his foundation's bracelets were a perfect fundraising tool. They were on top of the world. But then, seemingly out of nowhere, they weren't. You are not worth the chair that you're sitting on with a statement like that, with a disease that touches. And I know what I did and didn't do, so therefore I sleep at night. Let it be known, Brad will not be posting his mileage on the board. One of the greatest riders of all time. If you look at the books and you look at the records, he won seven tours in a period where everybody thought well, everybody was dirty. From the beginning, people didn't want Lance Armstrong for, for a number of reasons. Either he was, uh, he was not going to be able to race again at a high level. Or he Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about Lance Armstrong and his company, Livestrong. After all the fame, fortune, and seemingly earnest impact that Armstrong had on the world, he decided to compete in the Tour de France yet again in 2009, several years after his 2005 retirement. Alex Gibney, film director, decided to document the historic and second comeback of Lance Armstrong's career. As the years wore on, so did his carefully crafted do no wrong image. People accused Lance of doping or using drugs to get ahead, but Lance denied the accusations at every turn. The cynics and the skeptics I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry you can't dream big, and I'm sorry you don't believe It's impossible to prove a negative. So you can say, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, and I I was subjected to X amount of... In 2005, he made a pretty good point challenging that very notion. If you consider my situation, a guy who comes back from arguably a death sentence, why would I then enter into a sport and dope myself up to risk my life again? That's crazy. I would never do that, no. His denials were firm, insistent. But then again, so were the accusations. Shortly after Lance's retirement, Operation Puerto unveiled a whole slew of cyclists that had been doping, many of them Lance's rivals. Everywhere you looked, cyclists were either being arrested, suspended, or fired. Careers were ending left and right. It was so prevalent that the entire sport of cycling was thrown into question, Lance included. One of Lance's own teammates confessed to doping on the show 60 Minutes in 2011, implicating Armstrong in the process. During an anti-doping probe, many teammates came out and directly stated that he'd been using, even comparing the cycling champion's downfall to telling your kids that Santa isn't real. The former teammate that said this, Floyd Landis, has been called the man who brought down Lance Armstrong after he filed a whistleblower lawsuit. It alleged that, quote, Armstrong and his team had defrauded the government by taking the US Postal Service sponsorship money while knowingly cheating in races. But if Armstrong had accusations hurled at him before, what suddenly changed? Why did they only start to stick after 2009? Well, according to Lance himself, it was that 2009 comeback that did him in. You see, years before the 2009 return, a French article called The Armstrong Lie provided evidence that Armstrong was consistently doping and his urine samples contained EPO. EPO will increase the number of circulating red blood cells, which transports more oxygen to your muscles, increasing their capacity, endurance, and recovery. 
blood retransfusions or blood doping, which Armstrong also did as EPO testing improved, can produce similar results. Almost a minute faster on the finish line as well. Well, we are going to see a second stage win here and the second time trial win for Lance Armstrong. People were skeptical of Armstrong in the past. That is absolutely true. And Tour de France organizers had their guards up and suspicions raised when Armstrong first won in 1999. After all, just the year prior in 1998, the leading team had been found with a whole cargo of drugs. Organizers, the press, everyone knew already just how prevalent drugs were in cycling. So when Armstrong was cycling after a cancer recovery, after him formally not doing well in endurance and long haul races, it seemed just a bit obvious to those watching closely that there was something fishy going on. It's just that accusing a cancer survivor and an icon of cheating didn't seem like a wise move. The guy was so big for cycling and the cancer surviving community, and he was just such a celebrity. Steroids? No, he was just using cortisone cream for saddle sores. Surely this legend would never cheat. But it seems that the following decade when he wanted to return, well, that's when people got tired of covering his lying saddle sore having ass. Personally, how I see it, Lance could have and should have just retired quietly, enjoyed his wins and kept to himself after those peak years up until 2005. If he kept his head down, perhaps no one would have tried to pick apart his story and just let the sleeping dog lie, so to speak. Of course, that's rarely how this works. Instead, dishonest famous people don't really fade into the shadows, they get greedy. And Lance, in my opinion, missed his spotlight a little too much. Maybe he needed to prove that he could actually ride and win clean, even though it's widely assumed thanks to unusual blood tests and Armstrong's history that he didn't ride clean in 2009 either. Basically, for those who knew there was something off about his wins and wanted justice, well, all Lance had done was give them a reason to prove he'd been cheating all along. I could talk about the world of drug use and cycling as it's a truly messy tangled web, but we're gonna, focus on Armstrong in particular, because I think he's just a good example of it. Now, Armstrong's trainer had been portrayed as this man obsessed with finding the peak of human athletic performance and everything that's wrong with the cycling world rolled into one. Yet, regardless of how or where Armstrong got those drugs, how safely he did them, or how often they were taken in the sport itself, the point is that he was in fact doping. Even if everyone's cheating and lying, it doesn't make it right. His legacy was built on an absolute lie and the testimony, evidence, and laboratory analyses released by the United States Anti-Doping Agency proved it. Soon, it seemed like any good he had done was in vain, even in his nonprofit. Yes or no, in all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. In your opinion, was it humanly possible to win the Tour de France without doping seven times in a row? Not in my opinion. In 2012, the case was made that Armstrong had been doping for much of his entire career. Unable to fight it anymore, Armstrong confessed that he'd taken EPO and other illicit substances on Oprah. After telling the world in black and white that yes, he'd been cheating, everything fell apart. The idea of him being a courageous icon shattered. Now he looked like a scumbag and frankly, deservedly so. See, my issue and many other people's issues with Lance isn't just that he lied and built this whole empire on it. 
It's that he actually sued people all along whenever they accused him of doping. Oprah confronted him about this too and asked, you're suing people and you know they're telling the truth. What is that? Armstrong answered, it's a major flaw. I mean, yeah, no fucking shit. It's a major flaw to be lawsuit happy on people that he knew weren't lying just to shut them up. At one point in 2006, he actually claimed to be 10 and 0 in lawsuits, which sure, that would be fine if he actually wasn't doping and had just been defending himself. But I think it's pretty fucked up that Armstrong bullied journalists because he didn't want the truth to be revealed to the world. The feds joined Landis's lawsuit against him the following year, and it was later settled for $5 million. Landis was awarded $1.1 million in the settlement. Armstrong had to pay all his legal costs too. And of course, as we all know, he was banned from cycling for life and he was stripped of his titles. But it turns out it wasn't just lawsuits that protected him either. In fact, the more you actually learn about the man, the worse and the darker it gets. Former teammates that refused to dope claimed that they got pay cuts or were shunned. And the wife of one of these teammates, Betsy, was harassed when she spoke out. According to this documentary, here's how it went down. A woman named Stephanie McIlvain was employed by an Armstrong supporter, Oakley. Stephanie stated in a deposition that Betsy, who accused Armstrong of doping, was lying. Then to get back at Betsy for speaking out, Stephanie left this thoughtful little message on her answering machine. I hope that somebody breaks a baseball bat over your head, but I also hope that one day you have adversity in your life and you have some type of tragedy that will hit your family and make you realize that life is about other than going after people you hate. It's pathetic, Betsy. I thought you were a better person than that and I'm sorry you're not. You're such a shallow bitch. The world did not believe those who spoke out against Armstrong, to put it bluntly. And if you tried to, well, you might get this type of voicemail. Monetarily, there were consequences, but nothing really made up for the broken, false hope that Lance gave his fans and cancer patients that believed in him. In commercials, he said he was back on his bike for cancer survivors. He used a terrible disease to make himself look impressive. And all the while behind the scenes, he was just doping and lying to the entire world. Cancer survivors had mixed opinions about what he'd done. Some condemned him and some still believed him. One named Dan McAlpine told NPR that he considered Lance the worst of all hypocrites who preyed on people's need to believe. Lance was more than a cycling champion, Dan said. Far more important, he was a cancer champion. Now he's just a disgrace. Others like Salika Zoad said that she was still supporting Lance as his journey meant so much to her throughout her own battle with cancer. She said, Reading about how Lance not only survived stage four cancer, but embarked on a quest to spare others the suffering he endured set a fire under me. I too wanted to live. No matter how you feel about Lance and how he used his status as a survivor, the world just wasn't ready to trust Lance Armstrong anymore. And that meant his foundation, Livestrong, suffered too. It's a shame because the fact of the matter is that Livestrong actually did help people. This isn't the story of a nonprofit that scammed or stole from sick, vulnerable people in the name of finding a cure. No, this is the story of a nonprofit that sold tens of millions of wristbands, raised $500 million for cancer survivors, and actually earned its good reputation, only for it to be sullied by a founder that didn't earn his titles as champion. See, when Lance went down, he took Livestrong down with him. 
Not entirely, but Nike decided to stop producing their products and wristbands after 2013, and there's no denying what a blow that was to the brand. Armstrong also stepped down as chairman of Livestrong, leaving the nonprofit to find its own way without a massive celebrity attached to them. The pair had always been so closely attached that not only were sponsorships dropping like flies, but former supporters said they couldn't wear the stuff anymore because it was ugly or tainted. South Park even parodied the whole situation with characters from the show going to Walgreens to have their yellow wristbands dramatically cut off, saying how lied to they felt. Though on the show, it wasn't actually about Lance Armstrong, even if the reference and similarities are pretty obvious. Lance knew that he had the faith of cancer survivors all over the world. He knew what kind of impact the truth would have on people. But whether he liked it or not, the truth was out and his nonprofit now had to survive the fallout. And before we continue on to talk about where Livestrong lives on today, let's take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. HelloFresh is here to help make your hectic fall weeknights a little bit easier and a lot more delicious. HelloFresh has you covered with weekly selections of 30 or more recipes and now 70 or more convenience items all delivered to your door. And they've got some really great options. This week in my box, I received a savory Dutch baby that I'm super excited to bake. And I also got just quick and easy like egg bites for the morning. And obviously with saying that, it's obvious that HelloFresh isn't just for dinner. Shop HelloFresh Market for quick breakfast items, wholesome snacks, and even some desserts. You'll find everything you need to satisfy your cravings without stepping foot in the grocery store or mini mart. So if you're ready to try HelloFresh, make sure you go to hellofresh.com casket16 and use code casket16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Again, go to hellofresh.com casket16 and use code casket16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Oh, and if you try either firecracker meatballs or the banh mi meatballs, let me know your thoughts because those have to be some of my favorite recipes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. When it comes to making purchases, I really do prefer to be that tedious person who spends hours researching a product and making sure that it's exactly what I want in my life. Just recently, and as a matter of fact, as this episode's airing, I'm actually not in town right now. I'm actually visiting a friend in California. And I needed a new suitcase because I realized that my old suitcase is maybe a little too busted to make it through. So I spent my hours researching for different websites and different suitcases to finally find the right one. And when I finally did, Honey was right there with a 15% off coupon. So thank you, Honey. And Honey is super easy to use because all you do is do your shopping online. And when you go to checkout, the Honey button appears. You just click apply coupons and Honey does the work for you. If it finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. Honey doesn't just work on desktop either. It also works on your iPhone. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. So if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. And I'd never recommend something I don't use. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com casket. That's joinhoney.com casket. Let it go. 
can say whatever they want. I'm not back on my bike. For them. It was late 2012 when Livestrong officially dropped Armstrong from their name and they transitioned from the Lance Armstrong Foundation to what they are today. They were known as Livestrong for a while anyway, as the makers of those famous yellow Livestrong bracelets. But it wasn't until the doping scandal that they shed that identity completely. A board member told the Chicago Tribune that Lance didn't want to be a distraction from their cause when he resigned, and they called his choice to leave a noble decision. Personally, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a noble decision. Lance was in a massive scandal for doping and had been entirely discredited. If he stayed, I'd only have worse things to say about Armstrong because then he'd be attaching his bad reputation to a genuinely good cause, dragging them into the mud with him out of stubborn pride. It was absolutely necessary that Lance leave, but noble? I don't know about that wording. It was actually the least that he could do to make sure this honest, positive thing that he created survived. Unfortunately, Lance was the heart and soul of the organization, whether people liked it or not. Judging from board member accounts, Lance did genuinely care about the foundation and he'd actively contributed to it during meetings and things of that nature. Some of the board members like cancer survivor and oncologist David Johnson didn't even want to change the name. After all, even if Lance did lie about his cycling, he did in fact survive cancer. He did inspire countless people and he contributed $7 million of his own money to the foundation. Around the time the separation took place, there were those that questioned if Livestrong could exist without their heart and soul as the two were so closely intertwined. Marketing professor Americas Reed at Wharton said that once the USADA, the US Anti-Doping Agency published their findings, things definitely looked bleak. He called it unbelievably damaging and devastating as Reed confessed that Armstrong had been one of his heroes a while back. This fall from grace, as fellow professor Barbara Kahn explained, was intensely personal. Tiger Woods, for example, promoted Nike because it made sense from a professional standpoint. He used their gear, told the world it worked, and Nike got money, done. But Armstrong used his status as a cancer survivor to sell Livestrong. He didn't sell products as a professional athlete alone, but that's what made this comeback for Livestrong so challenging as it was, quote, built on the culture of Armstrong's personality. As long as Armstrong's face could fade from the brand though, they'd be okay. So Livestrong soldiered on. The year after Nike stopped selling these newly infamous yellow bands, they launched the Livestrong Cancer Institutes in partnership with Dell Medical School in order to educate the next generation of oncologists and practitioners. BusinessWire announced that Livestrong had launched a social innovation competition to improve the lives of people affected by cancer, known as the Big C. They were offering 60 awards, $140,000 of prize money, access to data and mentorship opportunities. Though they were still making changes, listening to new ideas and standing by their original mission, their revenue had undeniably dropped. Even three years after Armstrong's scandal, Livestrong's funds took a nosedive with contributions down 85% since 2011 when Lance last competed. They dipped into cash reserves to cover operations, faced double digit declines, and it no doubt took some time and new administration members to recover. Around 2016 and 2017, Livestrong settled into a new normal. Their fundraising started to go up again as their reputation recovered. Without Lance, no, it doesn't seem like Livestrong will be the nonprofit it once was. The damage has been done and it seems permanently. 
but at least they've weathered the storm and proven that they can still stand on their own two feet without him. After all, they are still bringing in millions of dollars, about 2.5 million in 2018. However, their assets went from 100 million before the scandal to under 50. They sold their former headquarters, so if I had to guess, they are probably still burning through savings and have to continue cutting back. Otherwise, it's only a matter of time before they go under. That's not to say that I think Livestrong is perfect by any means whatsoever. I personally think that their CEO, Greg Lee, is overpaid at about $350,000 per year. When you only bring in about 2.5 million, that's a huge chunk as a nonprofit. Still, as of late, when they do spend the vast majority of their funds on their programs and they're fully transparent with their finances, I can't really argue with that so much. Livestrong has also seemed to make a very genuine attempt to fill in the gaps left by other cancer charities and nonprofits. For example, they claim that there are many organizations helping people during their cancer treatments by offering support, but not as many that tackle post-treatment care. As of 2020, Livestrong has been committed to more patient and caregiver education, comprehensive quality of life services, and streamlining systems and care. Greg Lee has stated that their new work might be as simple as helping to transfer medical records and condensing down all the places a cancer survivor has to go in order to get blood drawn. Now it's all about helping patients through the long haul. Despite the facelift, articles still come out saying that they're rebranding and recovering from the Lance Armstrong scandal. Their attempts to reinvent themselves do seem to be helping, but they're going to be forever known as the former Lance Armstrong charity. And there's really just no getting around that. Right now, it feels like only a matter of time before they have to drastically downsize or they'll just run out of money and stop their services. Sure, Armstrong created this organization, but he's also at fault for their downfall. Now, the question becomes, can you separate Armstrong the cyclist from Armstrong the founder of the Cancer Fighting Foundation? If I had to give my honest answer here, I would say no, at least I'm not able to separate them. And I don't think if anyone else is struggling with being able to separate them, you shouldn't feel like you're alone in this. Armstrong did do some fucked up stuff, not just the whole doping and cheating, because yes, admittedly, he's by no means alone there, but threatening people that spoke out against him with lawsuits, ruining lives to keep his secrets hidden, I think that's despicable. That same man also did a lot of good, as we saw with cancer survivors stating that Armstrong gave them inspiration and the drive to keep fighting. You can't measure the harm and help he caused in black and white terms. If anything, I think the story of Lance Armstrong and Livestrong Foundation shows us that people are capable of great good and great bad, even on extreme ends of the spectrum. Armstrong was a liar, a cheat, and an absolute asshole to those who spoke out against him. But at least he still managed to put some good out into the world too even if it seems like they're fighting on their last leg now. But with all of that being said, that is the end of today's episode. What did you think of it? Did you learn something new? If you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all of our latest episodes. And if you'd like to check out any of my social media, please make sure to click the Linktree link in the description box down below. That's where my Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Casper's YouTube channel, the second YouTube channel where I have stream clips uploaded from and Twitch channel and just everything under the sun is all going to be right there. So thank you so much for joining me through today's episode and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. See you soon. Excuse me, what is your name again? My name is Paul Kimmage, I work for the Sunday Times. You don't have to deal with it. None of us have to deal with it. My children don't have to deal with it. 
but yet you said that I am the cancer. You are not worth the chair that you're sitting on with a statement like that, with a disease that touches everybody around the world. Now to answer your question, in fairness to you, although I'm not sure you deserve it, I'll answer the question. I think uh, you have to consider what has happened.